Last week I talked about our, uh, our main purpose, why we do what we do. And um, I might have disappointed some people uh, because I said well, our main purpose is to glorify God. I mean, disappointing because surely our main purpose is to um, have chocolate and drink coffee. I'm just being silly. Like our main purpose is to glorify God. What could be greater than that? And, um, you know, there was that... Um, the uh, the Westminster Catechism and the first question: What's man's chief end? To glorify God and to enjoy, enjoy Him forever. I mean, what could be better than that? But our main purpose is to glorify God with our lives. And I talked about how we glorify God by building our lives on His words, by listening and obeying, by listening and obeying, by doing what uh, Jesus said in Ma- Matthew twenty two thirty five: Love the Lord your God and and to love your neighbor. And so. You know, loving God, doing what we can to, to show we love God, and, uh, and I'll kind of come to come to this a bit more later on. But then, and also lo- loving your neighbour, so those around us, honouring and respecting each other, caring for one another. When you love someone, uh, you want to be near them. <laughs> when you love someone, you want to be near them. You want to be in their presence. You can probably see where I'm going to go with this. You want to be in their presence, and, and it's, the same, it's the same with God. If we love God, then we want to be near God. We want to be close to Him. And this, at the beginning of the series in Exodus, I talked about how um, the, the Lord led the, led the Israelites out from, out from Egypt, out from slavery, in order to meet with them, to draw close to them, so they could encounter uh, the, the God of salvation in the wilderness at, at the mountain, at Mount Sinai, to draw near to them. And it's real interesting that, um, that Robert just uh, reminded us this morning of how last, this time last year we were at, at camp, and the theme of camp last year was Camp Abide. You know, we, we spent a lot of time in John 15 about abiding in God, about abiding in God. And, it's, and I've been thinking about that as well, thinking about um, how it's from, it's, it's from us being near to God, from us uh, abiding in Him. It's from us like drawing near to God's presence that we're able to fulfill part one that I mentioned uh, to actually glorify God. These things like come together. You can't separate them. We can't, we can't glorify God without actually like wanting to and, and doing what we can to draw near to him and abiding in him. This is what it says in uh, John 15. <laughs> John, John 15, it says, John, I mean, Jesus says this. John 15, uh, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So he makes it clear, like, to glorify God, to part, you know, part one, our ultimate purpose, to glorify God, we need to abide in God. We need to abide in Him, and it's and I think it's just like God's way of kind of saying, uh, like without being in Him, without uh, abiding in Him, about without being equipped by Him, uh, actually we're, we're going to keep we're going to keep stumbling at this. You know, it's sort of like that um, that project of uh, trying to uh, like I don't know, trying to improve ourselves to the to the point that um, that we become acceptable acceptable to God. Well, we can't do that. It's through what Jesus did, uh, and and He says you can now abide in abide in me if you do what I say, 
your daughter. So. so we're kind of on this journey of going, okay, Lord, we want to glorify you and we want to draw close to you. We want to abide in, we want to abide in your presence. We want to like be uh, daily like coming into that place of being near you, hearing your words daily. And then um, they're going to come to this morning's section of Exodus in a second. Um, because the the theme for this morning is um, is around is about opposition. We need to be aware that once we make that decision in our hearts and take those steps, that opposition comes. Beware of be aware of the opposition. Be aware of the opposition. Like beware, kind of the word beware kind of kind of carries a bit of a. Uh, quite a quite a negative sense of like that's sort of like frightening, isn't it? Be be frightened of the of the opposition. That's not what I mean. Being aware of the opposition means that uh, we're, we're kind of not 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 naive and not surprised when it happens. So back to Israel, they've uh, crossed over the the um, the Red Sea. Their their former um, taskmasters uh, were destroyed in the ocean. Uh, the Lord has um, uh, provided sweet water and then provided manna from heaven and then split the rock and water has come out of it. Uh, so these have all been kind of like moments of um, um, almost like where they've kind of had to battle their own their own flesh a little bit to go, okay, I'm, I'm through. Like the, the test is, will they trust God in those moments? When their own flesh is like going, oh, I'm so thirsty. Lord, you don't exist because I'm so thirsty. Or rather in their words, you've led us out here to die. But then comes, then comes opposition in the form of a, of a person. So picking it up in Exodus 17, uh, verse 8, it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at, Rephid, at Rephidim. It doesn't say Why? Like what's this? What are these Amalekites coming to fight against Israel? <laughs> They're just on their way out through the desert. Why have they kind of come come along? And go, no, you can't come. Like I, I kind of wonder if there's actually there's a there's a there's a significant spiritual dimension to this, where there's this opposition coming. Then Amalek came and fought with the Israel of Rephidim. And remember, that's um, that's where they got really thirsty as well. So Moses said to Joshua. Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. That's the same staff we talked about before, the same staff that he struck the, uh, struck the rock with and water came out of it. And he, and he struck the, um, the Nile and it, and it turned to blood. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. I mean, remember, he's like, uh, he's 80, which is pretty old, right? And he's having, his, having to have his hands up in the air, so he's, you know, he's physically getting quite tired. So they got a stone and put it under him. No comfy chair for Moses. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one, one, on one side and one on the other. Other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Can you imagine that? Like the whole day, he's got his hands up in the air. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, 
that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Yeah, like if, you, if you Google this, you come up with some quite cool uh, photographs of this moment in history, or you know, drawings, renditions, of like, uh, Moses' hands being lifted up. So again, like this is like a really significant moment in in the in uh, Israel, and just like the rock of Horeb, they, they refer back to it time and time again. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, twenty five seventeen says here, so it kind of unpacks the story a little bit more. It says, "Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary, and cut off your tail those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear the Lord." Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that your Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. So you kind of get a bit more of the story. Well, Amalek, you know, in, in Exodus when we read it, it sounds like there was this battle with Amalek and it was all good. But actually when you read it in Deuteronomy, it turns out it wasn't all good, that he actually, actually um, you know, cut off their tail. Some people were, um, who were lagging behind we're actually lost in this, uh, in this battle. It's intense. And the, these group of people, the Amaleks, they become um, like a thorn in the side of Israel. This is not the last we hear of the Amaleks, the Amalekites, sorry. There were repeated skirmishes and issues with them. We, we can read about it in, like Saul had, had to fight against, King Saul had to fight against them, First Samuel 15. King David had, a, had to fight against them. First Samuel 27 and, and also again in 30. And it wasn't until the time of King Hezekiah, which I think my rough guess uh, estimate is about 1,000 years later, that, uh, that they were finally defeated. This is First Chronicles 4 and 42, where a group of uh, the tribe of the Simeonites defeated the remnant of the Amalekites. And... and uh, it's kind of interesting, like looking at where the Amalekites come from. They were like distant relatives, actually. Uh, remember, they, uh, Israel was named after Father Israel, great grandfather Israel, also known as Jacob. Jacob is the one who deceived his old man, and um, and and his dad ended up blessing Jacob instead of his older brother Esau. Esau, Esau's offspring, uh, ended up being the Amalekites. So they end up, uh, and so it's like this, this, this something from their history is now coming back up and opposing them as they're en route to encounter the presence of the Lord. And they've got to fight against that, uh, fight against that, overcome that opposition to be able to actually get to the mountain of the Lord where they meet with the Lord and uh, the power and the words of the Lord. There's a fair bit we can kind of take from that. And so when we kind of like look at the look at the battle itself, so back in Exodus 17, Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. I just think it's like the enemy coming and saying, "I don't want you to encounter God at Mount Sinai, so I'm going to oppose you in this. I'm going to oppose you in this." Then Moses ends up um, essentially like this sort of like. Um, this, uh, what would you call him? I mean, like this, um, this, this figure of authority. When his hands are up in the air, the the Israelites um, prevailed against the Amalekites. When his hands fell down, they, the Amalekites prevailed over Israel. 
we look at this and we're going, so, so when we sort of make our decision that we want, to, um, we want to go after the presence of God, we will also encounter opposition. For Moses, when he was on his own, he could hand, keep his hands up for a while, you know, and have, sort of have the victory. But then he needed to be supported by uh, these two people, again, with a rich history that I just, I'm not going to go into today, supported by Aaron and her. And that speaks to me of how when we face opposition, then the best thing we can do, well, we, we can sort of like um, intercede and we can pray, uh, pray for ourselves and keep seeking after God, keep our, like, uh, you know, our focus and attention. But we need, also need the support of others, even just to like, like lift up our hands. It speaks to me of, of the prayer of others, like reaching out. Like it's so easy just to like text some, uh, some of our brothers and sisters, oh man, I'm, I'm facing opposition at the moment. I'm facing a battle. Would you, would you pray for me? The encouragement of others. You know, it's so powerful when somebody comes alongside you and, 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 and encourages you and the help of others. Thinking about the other element of, of the battle, Joshua. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting to me. I think this might be the first mention of, of Joshua. And the first thing he does is goes out and fights this battle almost like on behalf of, of Israel. Joshua, we've talked about this before, um, his name means Yahweh saves. Prophetically points to Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, right? And so we go, when we, when we face opposition, then we, it's sometimes like a, I think the Lord is saying, like it's not, it's, it's um, Jesus is the one who, who fights on our behalf. Jesus is our, uh, our Yeshua, our, our Yahweh saves. He's the one who, who does the battle for, for us. And sometimes the best thing we can do is to, um, like, like, like to kneel and to pray and go, Jesus, I need, I need the breakthrough that only you can bring in this moment. I need you to defeat this opposition in my life. There's a, a song that I really quite like, um, and it talks about this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Like speaking about like praying and, and worshiping. And then when we, when we encounter that opposition, to, uh, it's, again, like it's quite easy to, to kind of like just see that, and that thing, whatever it is, becomes like the biggest thing in our, in our minds. Um, but what we need to do is like, like keep our attention on what lies after that. The, the presence of the Lord, the word of the Lord, that place of abiding, right? And glorifying God. Beyond the opposition is the water, the rest of God, the place of abiding, the sanctuary of his presence. So a year ago, you know, we had, uh, last year we kind of go, okay, we want to be a people that are abiding in God. We had our camp, camp abide, and I've just been reflecting on the last 12 months. I go, man, it's been a tough 12 months. So tough. I mean, like personally, I go, man, like it just feels like uh, every month there's, there's another, there's something else that I've, uh, another, basically another battle or another thing that I need to overcome, either personally or with our family or in the church or wherever it is. And then I just get really, I'm really encouraged by the scriptures because it's, it's almost like you got like through that, through that, um, 
Through that comes the promises of God. Yesterday was so good. Like uh, Ken Fish up on the screen, like just speaking a word in, in the moment. Word in season, I felt like. And, and he kind of touched on uh, how Jesus, um, he was baptized in the River Jordan. He comes out of the River Jordan. He's, uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and t- touches him. And then he's uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness where he encounters opposition. <laughs> So when we encounter opposition, we go, well, we're actually, we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And he, and he encounters like these, these three areas, right? I won't go into it too much, but um, sort of the, the, three, the three temptations and the three areas that he, that he overcame. And then he comes out of the wilderness, and Ken Fish highlighted this, it's when he came out of the wilderness that he was actually empowered by the Holy Spirit. He had the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of, of God to then... Um, release the kingdom of God, to set the captives free, to heal people, and to do, to do the things that actually we're also called to do. Because, remember, our main purpose is to, is to like glorify God. And the best way we can do that is by loving God and loving others. So it's almost like through, like, like through, through that battle, through the wilderness, through the difficulties that we're facing even in this season, through that, we, we'll just, we, it's almost like our authority sometimes like comes, comes through those things. There, uh, a phrase that I've been thinking about, reflecting on quite a lot this year is just something um, that comes from, that our authority comes from intimacy, like being, being close to God. Being near to God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Like we sometimes think of authority as being like, oh, you've got this authoritative figure in our life and they're like the one that tells us what to do. They're the ones that wield the big stick. And yet um, our, our authority as sons and daughters comes from like that, that, uh, that place of intimacy and love with God, that place of gentleness and, and you know, receiving his love for us. And then we do go and wield the big stick, but it's not the stick against you know, other people but it's a stick against the kingdom of darkness. Anyway, our authority comes from intimacy. Our intimacy comes from abiding. And our abiding comes, um, or it doesn't come from, but it's connected. It cannot separate it from, from glorifying God. Back to John 15. I'm just going to um, pick it up. John 15 um, from verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants do not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. Uh, Ellen Scott, pastor of uh, Vineyard Anaheim, he um, um, taught about this and said that the fruit is um, is people. You know, uh, people coming coming to faith, and then it makes total sense, doesn't it? You bear fruit, and your fruit should abide. And so, like the sense of um, coming into, and I'm going to get to this next week. <laughs> We glorify God, we abide in his presence, we draw close to him, and we do this 
for others as well, for ourselves, but, but for others. To bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So we, we decide, we make that decision, Lord, we want to glorify you, we want to draw close to your, to your presence. We encounter opposition in that. But on the other side of that um, comes all kinds of things, like being, um, being in that place of in his presence, but also being, being a people for others, being a people that lead others to Jesus, or release the kingdom of God, um, you know, healing, having the confidence to pray, to pray for each other, all kinds of things, all kinds of things that we can do. Like the Lord is so is so is so kind to us. And you go, Lord, but that doesn't sound like kindness to me. But he, but this is his, this is his kindness. He he like re, you know reveals something of himself, and then and then that's tested, and then uh, and then we come through that test with uh, you know like the um, like our driver's license, and now we can drive, and then you know uh, okay, I don't need to keep unpacking it. We just need the Lord to um, to reveal His love for us. So why don't you stand? Let's just invite the, the Lord to speak to us, even in our own hearts and, and in this season. And to um yeah, to see what to see what He's doing. So Lord, would you would you come now with that uh, with your spirit of revelation? Lord, we're we're in a moment of, of history that we didn't expect, might not have been prepared for, but Lord, you're with us in this, Lord. And even in our um, in our own lives, Lord, you you just like constantly saying like, draw close to me, come into that place, come into that place. Sometimes like the the battle the battle looms large large in our minds, and we go, Lord, but how do I get through this, Lord? I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this situation. I'm afraid of this conflict. And you say your word says. Jesus, you say, peace to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Peace to you. So, Lord, even, even now, I believe that you want to uh, release even now your, your spirit of, of peace in this place. Lord, that we would be, um, we would be carriers of your peace. We would be carriers of your peace. We would overflow with peace. Lord, that's one uh, massive area of battle at the moment. It's like the battle of fear versus being um, the, the carriers of your peace. And so, Lord, would you come even now? Would you, uh, would, would you release that, Lord? Would you release that, Lord? I lift up my hand like Moses. <laughs> would you release that, Lord? Would you come now, God? Come now, God. Would you come now, Lord? Almost like would you... Uh, would you um, Encourage our hearts, Lord, that we would uh, set our set our attention on you and go, Lord. We're going to we're going to chase after you and after your presence, um, and 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 we know that there will be opposition. But Lord, we're going to go for it, Lord. That opposition looks like all kinds of things. Sometimes it can be temptation to sin. Lord, help us to flee from that, Lord. You say like, in the Lord's prayer, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, would you deliver us from evil? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You, Jesus, you are you, you're the one who fights on our behalf. 
You fought the battle. You went to the cross and you took upon yourself. You took it upon yourself, the sins of our world. We come to you, Jesus. Would you come upon us even now?